Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a new series entitled The Voice. In a noisy world, how do believers train themselves to tune out all the secondary voices and listen to God? In this series, we'll be learning how to listen and apply the voice of God in our daily lives. Now here's Dr. Benji Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing today, church? We doing good? Won't you keep that going and welcome all of our campuses. Just give them some love. Welcome them. Garner Campus, Sanford Campus. Today they have brand new worship times. They're worshiping at 9, 11, and 1. They're having three worship celebrations today. Love what God is doing there for the capitals of the Carolinas. I'm talking about Columbia and North Raleigh. Give it up for the Capitals Church. Coffee House is just going great right now. I just came from up there. Incredible experience. If you're ever interested in maybe more of an unplugged kind of worship experience, free coffee, smaller group, coffee house is where it's at. Internet, television, anyone watching it anywhere around the globe, welcome to New Hope Church. Amen. So, so we're in a series, right? We started a series last week called what? The Voice. And I got to get in this chair because it is not every Sunday that a preacher gets to preach and ride, take a ride together. You know what I mean? So it, it, we talked last week about the voice. And, and uh, how many of you watched it this week? Yeah, it's incredible. Now, now what's cool is it's no longer the blind audition. And the, the first part of the show is always the best in the season because it's the blind audition. And as I talked about last week, the judges can't see the singers. If you saw it this week, you saw Adam, you saw Shakira, you saw, you saw Usher, Wearing like a, a, a boon hat, a squirrel, a, a hunting kind of country hat. Usher was killing it this weekend. You got, you got uh, Blake Shelton, who always seems like he's just drunk too much. You know, and, and they pick somebody singing by voice alone. And then they fight over the person and they get them on their team. And we looked at that last week. And the whole point of the message last week was God wants you. God wants you. I've always loved the way the African-American tradition puts it when they say, say, they put God like this, God is like a hound from heaven. And he's after you. He wants you. And last week, I mean, it was incredible last week. At the end, I started just declaring all of these scriptural promises of identity over you. And you got excited about starting to see, for some of you, maybe the first time, how God sees you. How you fight from a position of victory, not for victory. How God has already declared you redeemed. How God has already declared you his masterpiece. And I said last week, hey, cancel the audition. You don't have to audition anymore. God loves you and God wants you. If you missed it, it's in the resource center. You can pick it up on your way out. On my blog as well, I should let you know that I went in and I added about 20 more biblical declarations of who you are and your identity in Christ. You can just check it out, BenjiKelly.com. I hope you'll go. I hope you'll print those off. I hope you'll put them to memory. 
And let the voice of God over you declare who you are in the days ahead. Not the other voices, not the plethora of messages and voices that we get every single day from media, from family members, from friends, but the voice of God define you. Amen? Now today is going to be a little different. Today, I want to talk to you about the voice of God being primarily manifested and transmitted and communicated through the Bible. Or as our Kenyan brothers and sisters say, the holy book. The holy book. God speaks to you if you will let him primarily through the Bible. This book is the word of God. I firmly believe that. Today's going to feel a little different. In fact, I'm going to actually do some apologetics with you. It's going to feel very different. Some of you are going to love it. Some of you are like, I've been praying for years that he would preach apologetically. But it's not the kind of apology that some of you are thinking about. But apologetics, Christian apologetics, it's a field of study. Christian apologetics is this. It's a field of Christian theology which aims to present a rational basis for the Christian faith, defending the faith against objections. I'm going to try to communicate to you today why this book can be trusted as the Word of God. And most Sundays, I just need to let you know, I usually have a goal. I have, I have a goal in mind. I want to move you by the end of the message several steps closer to Christ, and I want to move you that day. But today's message is a little different because here's what I want to do. More than anything, I don't want to move you today, but I want to move you tomorrow, next week, months, and years down the road. I want to move you to a point where you are enamored with this book known as the Bible. And so enamored that you literally become a student of this book. Because this book has been fought over, lives have been killed as a result of this book, but this book stands firm. And it doesn't matter how some people argue about it, it's the Bible. It is the Word of God. Amen? Hey, and, and just speaking of people fighting over it, it reminds me of this, this, this girl, this little girl. She was in a church, thankfully she was in a church like ours, where, hey, people can come doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual spectrum. You are welcome at this church. Now, we're going to preach Christ and Christ lifted high. Amen? We're going to preach this word, but it doesn't matter. And this little girl was at a church where everybody was welcome, just like our church. And so she got into this conversation with a lawyer. And she started to tell the lawyer that she just learned in Sunday school that Jonah was eaten by a whale. And the lawyer said... Um, Dear girl, I hate to tell, the, tell you this, but that's, that's like not impossible. I've studied mammals and I know whales and, and, and they don't have a large enough cavity for, the, for a human body to go through the whale. That's just not possible. That's a myth. And the little girl said, oh no, I'm telling you that Jonah was swallowed by a whale and I just learned it in Sunday school. And again, the lawyer was persistent. He said, I, I hate to tell you, but that's just not true. And she said, well, yes, it is. And then she said, the only thing that came to her mind, she said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. <laughs> and the lawyer said, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? What if he went to hell? And she said, well, you can ask him. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> right? The Bible, greatly debated. But I believe, as your pastor, I want you to know today that I believe it is nothing less than the authoritative Word of God. And if you're here today and you struggle with your 
faith. If you're here today, and if you were honest with me, though you would never really tell me this, but if you were, you would let me know that you're often a skeptic. If you're here today and you have questions like this, is Christianity nothing more than a fairy tale? If you're here today and you ask questions like this, how do I know the Bible is God's word? Or you ask questions like this, how do I know the gospels, the stories of Jesus, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, weren't embellished over the years to the point of becoming filled with myths and legends that never really took place. Or if you're here and you ask these kinds of questions from time to time, how do I know Jesus is the Son of God? Or you ask this question, what about the intellectual objections to the Bible? Maybe you've studied them. Maybe you've been in a university somewhere where a college professor made it his or her goal to tear the Bible to shreds. Maybe you've stayed up late one night and you've seen a television show actually trying to do the same. If you're here today and you're a little skeptical, maybe you're jaded, maybe faith doesn't come easy to you like it does others. Here's what I want to say to you. That does not make you a bad person. And if your mind is the mind that asks questions, if your mind is the mind that seeks out the truth, if your mind needs some engagement before you're going to have what others might call blind faith, I want to declare to you today that does not mean your mind is warped. Nor does it mean your mind might be possessed. I want to give you permission to explore, study, engage, look at different resources. Because here's what I firmly believe. If Christianity is true, it will stand up under scrutiny. Hello. Some of you come from churches where all you, you basically told people to check your brain at the door. Sit down, shut up, pay up, come back next week. That's not new hope. The Bible is a book that God has given us, and I firmly believe it is the greatest gift. Don't miss this. If you're a note taker, write this down. I believe the Bible is the greatest gift God has ever given us outside of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about this. Can you imagine where we would be without the Bible? And if the Bible is the word of God, don't you think it can stand up to scrutiny? If God is God, come on, God's a big God. If God is God, don't you think God can stand up to scrutiny? So why are there so many people afraid to engage in an intellectual conversation? Let me tell you a little side story, and then we're jumping in the word. I, when I was a Christian at the age of 18, I, I became a Christian, as you know, and uh, I got into the church big time. I mean, I really sunk into the church. And I, I came under some incredible teaching. And I came under a student pastor by the name of Mark Yoder. Mark, if you're watching this, I still love you to death. Mark Yoder was my student pastor. And he led a thriving student ministry. But Mark, for some reason, felt led to take me under his wing and disciple me. I don't mean just disciple me in a group. I mean disciple me one-on-one. -on -one. So we met weekly. We prayed together. We studied books together. We read the Bible together. I mean, he discipled me. I spent more time 
over Mark and Carmen's house than I did my own house. I love them. They kind of adopted me. Well, I declared pharmacy as my major. I mean, go figure, right? Y'all know my story. I actually thought that I was going to stand behind a counter one day and dispense drugs legally. I guess somewhere I thought, hey, I might as well do it legally. I've done it long enough illegally, right? So I, I declared that, and, and, and Mark, Mark just kind of sat back patiently, and, and he knew, and, and everybody knew. And before long, I surrendered to the call to ministry. And Mark made it his ambition to get me into what he thought was the right seminary. He wanted me to go to Asbury Theological Seminary up in Kentucky, a great, great seminary. He gave me a few others on the list, but he did not include Duke. <laughs> because if you don't know, maybe you know this, Duke would be a little more liberal, though I hate those terms. What does conservative and liberal mean anymore, right? Depends on what you're talking about. Fiscal conservatism or, 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 or you know, biblical, theological, it all just depends on what you, but he wanted me to go there. He didn't put Duke on the list. So Mark took time out of his busy schedule, put me in his minivan. They had a bunch of kids too. And they drove me up to Asbury, gave me the tour. He tried his best to convince me to go to Asbury. I came back and I felt God's spirit say, you need to go check out Duke. <laughs> Asked Mark if he would take me and Mark said no. <laughs> so I got in my 1978 Toyota Tercel rusted out back down the wagon part. It's a clunker. But I got in it and I drove up here to central North Carolina. And I did a tour at Duke. And I knew the moment I walked on this campus that God was calling me to Duke. I knew it. It never, never been more clear. I went home and I told Mark. He almost disowned me. <laughs> he literally got mad. He didn't speak to me for a couple weeks. But even then, I knew that if God was God, God could stand up to intellectual scrutiny. Even then, I understood that if this is the Bible and the Word of God, it can stand up to intellectual scrutiny. And you know what? That's 15 years ago. I'm so glad I went to Duke. If I had not come to Duke, I would never have met Amy Lynn. If I had not met Amy Lynn and didn't come to Duke, we would have never fallen in love with Central North Carolina. And if we had not fallen in love with Central North Carolina, I think it's safe to say we would have never started New Hope Church 12 years ago. It was all a part. And then, you know, many years later, I decided to get my doctoral work, and I went to Asbury up in Kentucky, right? And so I've been to the, the more conservative schools and the more liberal schools, and I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I feel like I can have a conversation with anyone anywhere on the theological spectrum because, beloved, you have to understand where people are to have a conversation with them. Now, my, my, my point is this. If you're here and you're a little skeptical... You, you, you're jaded. You, faith doesn't come easy to you. Keep searching. Keep looking. You're not a bad person. Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Let's read it out loud together. You're ready to go. Here we go. Ready to go. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You keep engaging. 
You keep coming to this church regardless of what you believe. You keep coming to this church in all of your skepticism. And I'm here to tell you, if you keep searching and you keep looking and you engage the mind with the heart, Jesus will get you. He will get you. Because he's big enough to stand up to the most rigorous intellectual scrutiny. Because he is God. And what I'm going to do today, this is going to be a different kind of message. Some of you are going to love this. Like I said, others of you are going to be like, oh, Lord, please move on. <laughs> I want to engage you in some rigorous intellectual thinking about this book we call the Bible. You cool with that? Put your thinking caps on, grab your teaching notes. Here we go. I want to share with you basically three reasons why I believe the Bible is the voice of God. Three reasons. Number one. And there are no notes on the back of that page. It's just blank lines so you can write wherever the Spirit of God leads you. Number one, it's historically reliable. It's historically what, church? How many of you read Homer's Iliad in high school or college? How many of you read that? Right, we were in here earlier and I asked a group of us before the even first service started. And Pastor Fuller, our great worship leader, said, oh, I was supposed to. How many of you can relate, right? You were supposed to. How many of you just read the cliff notes, right? Let me give you a little information on this. Most of us read this. Homer's Iliad has the greatest manuscript authority of any non-Christian ancient work. There are about 650 ancient manuscripts. The earliest dates back to the 3rd century. Iliad was written in 650 B.C., before Christ. So that means there is a thousand year span between the time it was written and the earliest surviving manuscripts. A thousand years. Aristotle's Poetics was written in 343 BC. The earliest manuscript in existence is dated 1100 AD after the death of Christ. That's a span, if you're a mathematician, you've already figured this out. That's a span of about 1,400 years. Caesar's History of the Gallic Wars was written around 50 B.C. There are less than a dozen existing manuscripts of this work. The oldest dates back to the 9th century. That's a span of about 1,000 years. Tacitus. Tacitus wrote the annals of Emperor Rome in 116 AD. The earliest manuscript for this work dates back to 850 AD. That's a span of 700 years. What's my point? Here's my point. Those great works in history are considered to be authoritative and reliable in spite of the fact that they are copies of copies of copies of copies. Hundreds of years later, sometimes a thousand plus years later. Why? Because scholars have concluded, and you have too whether you know it or not because you read some of these works. Scholars have concluded and learned that copies can be trusted. In ancient times, copyists took their job seriously. They were meticulous about accuracy. One proof of this is seen in the fact that archaeologists have found copies of the Iliad in different parts of the world that are identical to one another. So, of course, listen to me, church. 
It goes without saying that the more copies of a piece of literature that exist, the better. Would you agree with that? The more from a, from a historical perspective, the more copies of a document that exist, the better. That is where the New Testament is so incredibly unique. Today, there are more than 20,000 ancient New Testament manuscripts. The earliest fragments date back to the second century. With Iliad, there's a span of a millennium. With the New Testament, there's a span of a few decades. Other ancient writings talk about the New Testament over and over and over. Let me give you one. Clement of Rome wrote a letter in 95 AD, a letter that he writes to the church at Corinth. And in the letter, Clement quotes Matthew, Luke, Romans, Corinthians, Hebrews, 1 Timothy, and Peter. Polycarp, for those of you who, who are in seminary, you've studied or you might be watching it, you might be a pastor somewhere, you've learned about Polycarp. I'm a big fan of Polycarp. He was a third century saint. Polycarp had such bold faith that when he started to get ridiculed and persecuted for his faith in the city square, they told him, you denounce Christ or we are going to burn you at the stake. And Polycarp would not denounce Christ and there he burned at the stake. And those around him said that his body, charred as it was, had a sweetness to the odor. Polycarp said this. Polycarp wrote a letter to the church of Philippi in 110 AD. And in that letter, he quotes from 10 of Paul's letters. The Didache. The Didache is an early church document, very reputable, very popular, was written between 80 and 120 A.D. It contains, listen to me, 22 quotations from Matthew and has references to Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and 1 Peter. Now let me start to move on because some of you are already starting to glaze over. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, some of you would, would I mean, you, you just, you, you, you love this. You want me, this is why it's always hard to communicate to a church this size, because there are those who, who like the more heady stuff, and there are those who are like, just sling it and bring it, Pastor. <laughs> but just stick with me here for a moment. Let's talk about prophecy. Old Testament prophecy. There are over 2,500 prophecies in the Bible. Maybe you didn't realize that. How many? 2,500. Of those 2,500, 2,000 of those prophetic declarations, those prophets of old who declared this is coming, 2,000 of those, give or take a few, have come to fulfillment to the letter. 500, therefore, are still dangling out there. And I actually believe as the days unfold before us, we will continue to see prophecy come true. But stick with me here for just a moment. Listen closely. Since the probability for any one of these prophecies having been fulfilled by chance averages less than 1 in 10, and that's a conservative judgment. And since the prophecies are for the most part independent of one another, the odds for all of these 2,000 prophecies being fulfilled by chance without error is 1 in 10 to the 2,000th power. 
Beloved, that is one with 2,000 zeros beside it. This is the word of God. This is a sacred book. And this is the primary way in which God speaks God's voice to his people. Look at what this professor said from Regent College, Dr. Clark Pinnock. He said this, great quote. There exists no document from the ancient world witnessed by so excellent a set of textual and historical testimonies on which an intelligent decision may be made. An honest person cannot dismiss a source of this kind. Skepticism regarding the historical credentials of Christianity is based upon a what church? An irrational bias. Here's the second thing if you're a note taker. Here's why I believe the Bible is the voice of God. It has passed the test of time. Did you hear me? It has passed the test of time. Uh, the first time I went to seminary, just reflecting back on that for just a moment, I shall never forget how shocked I was when I realized that there were many books that didn't make it into the Bible. I don't know what I had thought up to that point in time, and many of you might be sitting here today and you never think about such things. But did you know that there were many books that did not make it into the Bible? There was a canonization process. There were leaders in the first, second, third century trying to decide which of these letters were reliable, which of these letters were authoritative, and which would actually be canonized to make up what we call the Bible. Let me tell you about a few books that didn't make the cut. Did you know there is a gospel according to Thomas? Remember Doubting Thomas? There's a gospel according to Peter. Come on, church. If Peter had a gospel, it should have been in there, don't you think? <laughs> Peter. I mean, Peter, the dude who got out and walked on water, right? No. After lots of prayer, study, and what was most popular in that day and age, and what was reliable and what was deemed authoritative, the gospel of Peter didn't make it. There was an Acts of uh, the Apostle Paul. There was the Epistle of Barnabas. There was the Apocalypse of Peter. The Apocalypse of Stephen, the Acts of Andrew, the Gospel of Nicodemus, and so on and so on and so on. And you might wonder, well, who decided and when did that happen? The year was actually 397 A.D. And there was a council called the Council of Carthage. The Council of what? Carthage. And in this council, men of God, what the church has always called the church fathers, if you will, through prayer, through discernment, they allowed certain books, 27 in the New Testament, to make up the New Testament Bible. They had some in the Old Testament as well. And it is through this process that they deemed some reliable, some authoritative, and some not. The Bible has proven and stood the test of time. And here's the third and final thing that I would say to you today. And, and this is, to be honest, this might be my favorite. The Bible, here's why I believe it's the voice of God. It's not going to be profound. It just works. It works. Maybe I'm just a pragmatist. 
maybe to a fault, but let me just tell you, if, if somebody starts coming up waxing eloquently about theories or philosophies or this or that, I will pay them great attention until I discern whether or not it works. And if something doesn't work in life, I don't pay it any mind. And can I just let you know that I tried to live my life, what was it? It was 18 years based upon the philosophies of this world. I tried to live my life based upon what Benji thought I should do. That became an utter mess. Disaster. Yet for 26 years, hear me. For 26 years, I have tried my very best to live my life according to the teachings of this book. I have not always been successful at following it. But I have learned that when I live according to what this word says, my life just works. It just works, church. Let me talk to you about a few key verses. I want us to read them out loud together. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Ready? Go. All scripture is what, church? It's what? Inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Let's continue. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, for fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. The Bible just works. It teaches us what is true. It teaches us what is false. It teaches us what is wrong with this world. Come on now. And what is wrong with me? Here's another one, Hebrews 4.12. Ready? Go. Do not... Whoa, yeah, you're right. Four, my bad. Ready? Go. I was on the next one. Ready? Go. For the is living and good, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and uh, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Come on. Aren't you glad the Word straightens us up? Aren't you glad the Word teaches us how to live? Aren't you glad the Word teaches us how to forgive? I mean, aren't you glad that the Word teaches us how to treat one another? Again, you know I don't like to talk about other churches. I believe God uses all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Amen? But come on, some of you came from churches where you were just downright mean to people. And that's why you're here. You came to churches where it was just a mean place. It was a hostile environment. And most, and this is the irony of it, most of those churches are those that say, we believe the Bible. And they're just downright mean. Right? And some of you come from churches. Maybe this is you. Maybe you need to wear this. Some of you come from churches where, where you're the wrong voice. I've been talking about a plethora of voices in this series. Some of you are just too stinking judgmental. And you judge and you're mean-spirited about it. Aren't you glad the Bible not only teaches us the truth of God's Word, aren't you glad the Bible teaches us how to love one another? Aren't you glad the Bible teaches us how to forgive people? Come on now. 
The Bible straightens us up. The Bible, te- the Bible just works. Here's another one. It's Philippians 4. The one I was about to read a moment ago. Philippians 4. Ready? Go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to who? To God. And the peace of God, which what? Transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Church, that just works. If you're here and you, you struggle with anxiety, and what you really need is peace, put that verse to work in your life. Go to God in prayer and petition. Be anxious about nothing. Here, here's one that just works, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I was taught this when I first became a Christian. It's been one of my favorite verses for, for, for all these years now. Ready? Go. Trust in the Lord with all your and lean not on your Oh, that's good. Watch this. In all your ways, do what? And he will make your path straight. It just works, church. Matthew 7, 7. You're doing so good. Let's read one more. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. It just works. And some of you are here, and you can testify to this. You've tried living life according to the philosophies and the pop secular culture and the ways of this world, and you've discovered it's an utter disaster. Why not start trying to build your life upon the Word of God? Why not start seeing this book as not necessarily some complicated book that you can't understand? Because you can. And why not start to see this book as a love letter from God with your name written on it? This is God's primary way to communicate His voice to you. Let me tell you a little dirty secret. <laughs> it, was, it was sent to me that way this week in an email. Most of you know I have a sermon research team. And this sermon research team, uh, I'm so thankful for them. They, I give them topics, I give them titles, I give them big ideas. And they go off and they do research for me. I've given them all kinds of tools and they do research. And then they, they, they send that to my assistant. And so when I sit down to write most messages, thankfully I'm not starting from scratch, but I've got some stuff that this gracious sermon research team, they've gathered for me. And it's just very, very helpful. I got an email this week from one of the members on the sermon research team. And it wasn't research per se. It was basically just talking about this dirty little secret that this person has believed has existed in the church as long as she can remember, growing up in the church. And it's basically, this is the dirty little secret that no one's ready and willing to talk about. God doesn't speak to me, is what the email said. Now maybe you're here, and you're thinking, God doesn't speak to me. And the email went on to say things like this. They said, this is very predominant in the church, and I think I actually agree. I want a personal relationship with God, but he doesn't want one with me. Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever think that? He won't talk to me. Next quote. 
I accepted Christ and got baptized, but I still don't sense anyone speaking to me. Maybe that describes you, sir, ma'am. Maybe I'm not the elect for the Presbyterian and Calvinist among us. Maybe I'm not one of the chosen. Might be the frozen chosen, but the chosen. Maybe I'm not one of the elect, so therefore God doesn't speak to me. Maybe you believe that. I'm not a spiritual type of personality like pastors, so I don't see any sense or hear God ever speaking back to me. Dirty little secret. I can't talk to the pastor about this or he will think I'm not a Christian or I'm not really trying. Oh, I see some heads shaking on that one. Maybe you've been wanting to tell me that. People say you don't hear God with your ears, but I don't hear him in any way. I believe in him, but he must not believe in me. Now listen to me closely. I'm so thankful that this was sent to me. But there is something very flawed about that dirty little secret. And here it is. If you're here today and you think in any kind of way God doesn't speak to you, beloved, you have missed the primary point about the Bible. The way in which God speaks to you is through this book known as the Bible. This is God's word. And this is how some of you, some of you, you're waiting for God to like audibly speak to you. Now, again, the real spiritual ones among us might get mad at me, okay? But I've never heard God speak to me audibly. Sorry, but I'm just keeping it real. If you have, praise God. Come talk to me afterwards. I'd love, I'd love to get close to you. Maybe I can hear it. When I, when I first became a Christian, I knew two things right away. Two things I knew right when I became a Christian. I was 18 years old. I was hell-bound, lost. God wrecked me with his grace. I became a Christian. I knew two things right away. One, I wanted to have a lot of children. And two, I wanted to get married. Not in that order, by the way. <laughs> I did. That's what I knew. And single people, maybe you're like this. I was like, God, tell me her name. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this to you. I'm like, God... Just speak her name to me. Sometimes I'd be at the beach or the mountains. I love sunrises and sunsets. I love the outdoors. And I would be like, God. I mean, I really wanted to get married. I'm not kidding. I was like, God, just write her name across the sky. <laughs> Amy Lynn. <laughs> and I'd study the sunrises and the sunsets and the clouds. I never saw a name. God doesn't speak to me that way. Here's how God speaks to me. He speaks to me through this book that, again, I believe is the greatest gift God has ever given you, ever given me outside of the gift of Jesus. This is how he speaks. And once you read this book enough, then you start hearing God speak to you through that still small voice. Then you start hearing God speak to you through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then you start to be shaped mentally and in your heart with a biblical worldview because you have become a student of the book. This is how God speaks. So the dirty little secret is flawed. And maybe you're hearing that described you to a T. And you're waiting around for God to speak to you, right? Through a spouse or through a painting on the sky, 
or through a colleague or through what? He's already spoken to you, beloved. And it is historically reliable. It has stood the test of time. And it just works. It just works. And you're here and you're like, well, I don't know. I've tried, I've tried, I, I, I've tried to read it and I don't understand it. This is what you've done. You, you've said, okay, God, you're, you're big, so I'm just going to pick a passage, God. <laughs> a friend of mine did that. He, he goes, I didn't know what to read, so I covered my eyes, and I, I, just, I just dropped my finger on the page, and it fell on Judas, went out and hung himself. <laughs> and he was struggling with depression, man. He was in ministry. He was about to leave the ministry. I was like, dude, that's not how you read the Bible. Right? Some of you are here, and you're like, I don't understand it. All right, I'll go there with you for a moment. I'll go there. Because I don't think it's that you don't understand it. I think it's that you've not really tried. But let's go there for the sake of going there. We're doing great on our time. Single person. Where, where are all the single people? All the single people? Where are you? Okay? You're, you're out at the mall. You're at the mall. Okay? You're at the mall. And, and lo and behold, you, 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 like, you were like me. You, you're, looking for the, you're looking for the spouse, right? And, and you, you meet this person in line, and you're like, oh, the, the sparks just go. Sparks just go off. And you're like, oh, and you're just, you immediately have this crush on this person, right? And you're so excited, and you start thinking, God, oh, God, this is it. I've prayed for this all my life. Oh, God, thank you. And y'all talk, and you get all the warm fuzzies, and it's all woo -hoo -hoo. And then you say, hey, why don't we go have a drink together, and you go get the Starbucks drink. You go to Starbucks, and you're having your latte, right? And, and it's, it's, just, it's just happening. It's on. And you're like, woo-hoo. And, and, then, and, then, and then he or she says to you, whatever you are, he or she, she says, hey, I'm having a party on Saturday night. And I would love for you to come. And then she writes down, he writes down a, a, a hand-scrawled map with some, with some directions to the party. And y'all part ways. And you can't wait for Saturday night. You're so excited about the party. And you, you, you go later on Saturday and you look at what this person has written down and it doesn't make any sense to you. It's, it's complicated. It's like the directions are not clear. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to find the freaking party. <laughs> Single people, am I lying or what? <laughs> no. You're going to find a party. Right, right, right. Come on, go on. Students, students in the house. I mean, you're a successful student. You've got goals, and you're going to reach them. And you're going to go to a great school, and you receive a booklet in the mail because they've heard about your SATs, and they know you're a good student, and they've seen all your extracurricular activities, and they send a booklet to you in the mail, and it says, hey, if you study this book, and you learn this book inside and out, and you pass a test, we are going to let you get into your Ivy League school of choice. What you going to do? You're going to learn the book. You're going to study the book. Adult person. 
midlife crisis person, wherever you are, ending death person, children out of that, where, and you, you're struggling for purpose and identity and meaning and fulfillment in life, and somebody comes up to you, maybe a Tony Robbins class, right? They come up to you, and they give you a workbook, and they tell you, whether you believe them or not, they tell you that if you study this book and you learn it inside and out, it's going to teach you how to live the second half of your life. It's going to teach you how to get purpose and meaning and, and, and identity in your life. What are you going to do? You're going to read the book. Then why? Sincere question. I'm not being sarcastic. Sincere question. Why then don't we read this book that has the directions for the eternal destiny of heaven right before us? Why don't we read this book? Why don't we become a student of this book? Because it has the plans for purpose and meaning and fulfillment. Why don't we read this book when it so clearly lays out how we are to date and who we are to marry? Why, why, why don't we read this book? John Wesley, I'm a big John Wesley fan. Most of you know that. Great 18th century English revivalist. Wesley said this, I want to know one thing. I want to know the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. Watch this. God himself has condescended to teach the way. For this very end, he did what, church? He came from heaven. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. Let me be Homo unius libri, let me be a man of one book. Let us be a church of one book, the living word of God. Let us be a church that never compromises the authority of this great book. Let us be a community of faith shaped by the word of God. For it is historically reliable, church. I'm telling you, it has stood the test of time and it just works. I would be so, you should be able to sue me for clergy malpractice if I didn't give you some application. And again, we're doing so good on our time. I just got a few minutes. I want to talk to you about some application. How do you do this? How do you do this? Here's the first thing. I want to tell you about an app. An app. It's called YouVersion. I know this pastor very well. I've been with him multiple times. His name is Craig Groeschel. He is the pastor of Life Church. One of his pastors, it's not his executive pastor, I think it's his creative pastor, he designed an app, listen to me, over 1 million downloads. It's called YouVersion. Take out your phones. You can do this in church. Take out your phones. God will not strike you for looking at your phone in church. He might if you check Facebook in church. No, just kidding, just kidding. Take out your tablets, take out your phone, take out your computer, and go to you version. I can't recommend this enough to you, church. It is one of the most robust, incredible Bible apps you will find. I've got mine open now. You can go to bookmarks, and it will bookmark certain pages for you. Check it out. You can go to today. Every day, you can just pop that open or you can get it open up automatically on your phone and it gives you a verse of the day. 
It's not just a verse, church. That's the voice of God for you in that day. Right? You can go down a little bit further. You can go to Bible. And you can read all kinds of Bibles. Hey, for those of you who don't want to read it, you can actually have it speak to you. Right? My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. When I get to heaven, I'm going to speak like that too. I'm going to sing like Therese and I'm going to speak like that. I have no choice but to write to you. It's awesome. Get you some of that riding down the road. It's incredible, church. I'm telling you. Let me go back. Go, go, you can go to plans. And if you go to the plans, you can actually browse different plans. And there's, there's devotional plans. There's topical plans. There's partial Bible plans. There's whole Bible plans. There's Bible plans for youth and students. Listen to me, young person. There's family plans for those of you who want to grow a godly family. This app is the bomb U version. I think it's free. It's free. But even if it costs a hundred dollars, the voice of God. I just want to tell you about that U version. Here's a second point of application. I mentioned it last week. Reading plans. Follow a reading plan. We give these away free in the rotunda and at the resource center. You just follow a reading plan. This one happens to be a six-month reading plan. You just open it up. You check it off. You read that passage for the day. It's God's voice for you. Daily devotionals. Right? Daily devotionals. Here's how you hear the voice of God in your life. Don't tell me God's not speaking to me. Are you reading? Are you studying? We sell these at the Resource Center at cost. We make no money on them. But you're talking about a great daily devotional? Go get you one of these. We bring them out every six months or so. Bible. I mean, I, you know, I'm talking about apps and I'm talking about reading guides and I'm talking about devotionals. But can I just say, there is nothing better than just cracking open the Word of God following a reading plan or something get a good bible how many of you have a really good bible i'm not talking about the one on your coffee table that has a quarter inch of dust on it the one your great grandma granddaddy gave you which is awesome that's a sacred book it's a family heirloom right okay might be a great table piece but is it something you you can read king jimmy is hard to understand for most people in the 21st century and yes, I just referred to the King James Version as King Jimmy. Get you a good Bible, a study Bible with notes and maps and concordances. And I mean, something that you can just really be a student of. Oh, and by the way, we give Bibles away free in the Resource Center too. Now, I got to tell you, I'm just, again, being honest with you. It's a great starting Bible, but it's not the best Bible. You need to buy a good study Bible. Get your name on it and take pride in it and carry this bad boy to church, right? And come under the authority of this sacred book and, and study it and read it. And here's my final thing. Attend a Bible-believing and Bible-preaching church. What are those last two words? All caps. What is it? How often? Attend a Bible-believing and preaching church every Sunday of your life. Don't become one of these Christians who once a month, twice a month. No. 
You know why this is important? Because when you come here on Sundays, I hope you don't come for the wrong reason. Like, why did you come here today? To be entertained? You came for the wrong reason. Did you come to catch up with friends? And That's, that's okay. The Bible does talk about konania is the word, fellowship. There, there's a place for fellowship. But the primary reason we should come to church every single Sunday is twofold. To worship the living God and hear God's voice preached through the word of God. That's, I hope and pray that's why you come. So therefore, I hope when you come, you bring the Bible with you. I hope when you come, you pray for me or whoever's preaching that day. God, use that man. God, use that woman to speak your word and to preach, here's the key word, faithfully the word of God to me. God, I'm going to church to hear your voice. Five steps of application. But I'll just ask this question and I'm done. If you're not reading the word of God, if you're not an active student of the word, why in the world would you not be? You can ignore this book But if you do, beloved, you do it at your own peril. Because this book is reliable. This book has stood the test of time. And there is no better rock-solid foundation on which to build your life other than the Word of God. Amen. Do you receive it? If you receive it, celebrate the goodness of God today. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite the teams back out to come on out on all the campuses. And while they're doing, let's bow our heads and and pray together. Father, the reason we so's want to study your book, the reason we want to be men and women of the word is because, God, we know that in it, it is the wellspring of truth. We know that in your word, God, we ultimately find Christ. And Christ, Lord God, we have discovered is enough. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Jesus, for living and dying on a cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, for being raised from the dead. Thank you, Father, for raising your son up to new life. That we might experience the goodness of God. God, I pray, I pray, I pray. That we would be a church, in the words of Wesley, homo unius libri, we would be a church of one book. God, we declare to you that this is our only source of authority. We declare to you that this church, this platform, this stage, all of our campuses will never cease to declare the word of God. And that we will try our very best, Father God, to hear, apply, and live out this book, your voice to us. This we pray in the name of Jesus, the name of the Christ, who is truly, truly enough. So, Lord, we sing about that right now. We declare, we celebrate 
that you and you alone are enough. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.